Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett. My passion for football and pushing boundaries has helped me to create a successful business using the same performance building principles of the world's best players. Through my Move the Ball book, workshops, and consulting work, I've used the same system to help thousands of people to think and execute like a pro athlete when it comes to business and branding. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize those tools and strategies to elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. So get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, everyone. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for quite some time, welcome back. I'm glad that you are here with us today. As you all know, on this podcast, we talk about business, branding, sports, and of course, how to move the ball. Two things before we get into today's episode. First, if you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, make sure that you do so so that you never miss an episode. And second, you all know that we recently launched the merchandise store that I launched on draft day, and we've added some new pieces to the collection. So there is a link in the show notes. Be sure to go check all of that out and get yourself some swag and rock that you are a part of the Move the Ball movement. Oh, and to those who have been sending photos, wearing their merchandise, thank you so much. Of course, I love seeing you all rock the swag and together we move the ball. All right. For today's episode, I've got a great guest with us inside the huddle and ready to talk about his experience and what he does to move the ball is Josiah DeGuara. Josiah, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Doing great. How about yourself? Good. And I'm excited to have you here with us. I know you're going to get really, really busy with OTAs here soon and other stuff. So I'm excited to just have you chatting with us. Let me share a little bit about your background. So for everyone, Josiah is an NFL tight end who currently plays for the Green Bay Packers. Josiah played college football at Cincinnati. And during his college football career, he sported 1,118 yards on 92 receptions. And he was a first team All-American Athletic Conference selection. Josiah was drafted by the Packers in the third round of the 2020 NFL Draft, where he currently plays, and we will talk about his football journey and more on the show. All right, Josiah, are you ready to move the ball? Let's do it. All right. And as you know, I had two fellow Bearcats on the show as part of my special Path to the Draft series, Alec Pierce and Jerome Ford. Shout out to those two guys. Alec ended up getting drafted in the second round by the Colts. And Jerome in the fifth round by the Cleveland Browns. So I'm excited to see both of them suit up here this next season. And also, I mean, there were nine Bearcats that got drafted this year. So it was pretty exciting. And you know all about that draft process too. And we'll get into that in the show a little bit later. So first, what I wanted to do to kick off this chat is you've been in the league for a couple of years now. Going into year three, how has your perspective changed over the years regarding the NFL as being a business and when you first came into the league as a rookie and when you look back, like how prepared do you think you were heading into the business of being a professional football player? Yeah, I think your perspective changed a lot once you get in it, you know, and that's with anything. But coming in as a rookie, really not knowing what to expect. And unfortunately for me, like my rookie season ended early with the ACL injury. So then I had that whole perspective of it when it comes to the business side. So it definitely changes, you know, not necessarily in a good or bad way. You just learn more about the NFL. You learn more about your organization, but your perspective definitely changes. And then you're in it, you know, you're a part of it and just try to remind myself no matter what kind of day it is, that's a blessing to be here. So that's the perspective that I try to have. 
Well, I think that's important. It's all about your perspective. That matters so much, no matter what it is you're doing. We're all going to have bad days and good days, but maintaining that great perspective is what helps keep you pushing forward. Yes, exactly. That's what I try to do with myself. And I think it's always positive to look at it that way. So you mentioned that your perspective has changed. What was the biggest eye-opening thing for you coming into the league? Man, there's so many things on the field and off the field. I think when you come from college, you're just like always surrounded by the guys on the team and stuff like that. And I think a big thing in the NFL, like everybody's grown. You know, you got grown adults on the team. You got guys with kids. You got guys with families. So that's one thing that was a little different. And then obviously the speed of the game, pace of the game. When it comes to football, it's a big adjustment. Playbook, the mental side of the game has been huge. So I think those things specifically have been something that was an eye-opener to me. But, you know, I just continue to grow in and get used to. And it's important no matter what your profession is, if you're a professional athlete or some other job, that you're always working on your craft and looking at how you can get better. You mentioned the speed of the game is different playing from college to pro. The mental aspect is certainly an adjustment as well. It's not just about being mentally tough on the field. The business of being a professional football player can be mentally taxing and challenging as well. In my book, Move the Ball, which is what kicked off this whole Move the Ball movement, where I talk about a lot of principles that I've taken away from the game of football. One of those things is that improvement-focused mentality and always striving to continually be better. When you look at what you're currently doing now with off-season training, what are some of the things that you're focused on so that you can continue to improve upon your game come season? I think for me, I look at it physically and mentally, and as, as well as spiritually. I think physically, you got to do things that work for you. Like like I mentioned with my ACL, like last offseason, I really didn't get an opportunity to have a true offseason. I was just rehabbing the whole time, you know. So this offseason, I'm able to actually have a full offseason healthy. And then find what's right for me. Find what's right for my body, what makes me feel good. For me, it's getting the right amount of training. Training is training, but I do a lot of yoga. A lot of yoga helps me. I've been doing yoga two to three times a week since the end of this last season. Just help with flexibility. Helps with building those tiny muscles that we don't use in the weight room, you know. So that's one thing physically. Mentally, I was trying to better myself. We have a great psychologist over with the Packers. So meeting with him, just trying to fine tune my mental side of the game. And then spiritually, my relationship with the Lord, man, it's huge for me to grow in my faith, grow closer with the Lord because he's one that's blessed me to be here. So I'm just trying to improve in all areas of my life. But that's the biggest one for me is, you know, trying to focus on my relationship with God and bless others because I'm blessed to be here. So trying to focus on that as well. I love it. You mentioned your injury a couple of times. As you know, I mean, every experience we go through helps shape and grow us. And to be a better football player, that doesn't just happen on the football field, right? There's the weight room, there's the film room, there's all kinds of other things that take place outside of the football stadium and the practice field to get you to be a better player. How did that injury help you to grow as a player, to mature and to just be better when you came back? Yeah, it really just gave me a different type of appreciation for the game. Obviously, I wasn't taking anything for granted. But when you get hurt like that, like, Getting hurt in the NFL, a lot of people don't know. Like, it's a pretty lonely space. And, you know, the team's doing their thing. And you're really, you're just hanging out with the trainers and then whatever other injured guys there is. So it could be a lonely space, me moving to a new city. Obviously, I'm cool with the guys on the team and everything. But you're just, like, not doing what you usually do if you were 100% healthy, you know. And there's nothing good or bad about that. But really, when you look at that, it just gives you a different type of appreciation. Like, when guys are going out to practice and you're stuck in the trainer room, it really gives you another appreciation, like when you're able to go out on the field and compete, play this game at the highest level. And 
like I said, it's just a blessing to be there and be able to do that. So not that I did before, but it's never going to cross my mind to take it for granted. And you shared moving to a different city. I mean, most guys that end up getting drafted don't go play in the city that they grew up. You are from California. You played college ball in Cincinnati. So you're used to the Midwest, but Cincinnati culture and the climate is still very different than Green Bay. And so how was that adjustment just going up to to Green Bay? It's a lot colder there and just acclimating in that new environment. Yeah, the cold is different out here for sure. It's insane. But the Cincinnati like definitely warmed me up a little bit. Coming from California, it didn't even snow in my hometown year round, you know, so Cincinnati warmed me up. But yeah, Green Bay is different. Once it starts snowing, you're not going to see no snow on the ground, you know, for the next six, seven, eight months. So it's definitely different out here, but you just get used to it. People always ask me like how I play in those cold games and stuff. It's just adrenaline, you know, you're not thinking about the cold. You just got one goal in mind and that's to go out there and be successful. So it's not as bad as like people think. I feel bad for the fans sitting in the fans just, you know, not moving. I I at least get to move around. We got heated benches and jackets and stuff. But yeah, it's definitely different out here. Yeah, well, I'll say being from Chicago and has similar cold, but not quite as cold as Green Bay. I mean, it's it's always colder in the stadium when your team's not winning. So Green Bay has a lot of wins. Team does well. And so I'm sure those fans don't mind standing out there in the cold. They're dressed for it. But obviously, when your team's winning, it makes you're moving around, you're cheering, you're having some good energy. So it makes it easier. Yeah, they got some beer out here, too, that warms them up. (laughs) Absolutely. So we recently had the 2022 NFL draft. Rookie mini camps got underway and members of the current draft class have begun their transition to being professional football players. I want to walk through your pre-draft process and your transition into the league. 2020 was the year you were drafted. That was an interesting year, the beginning of COVID. And you were one of those elite players that were invited to the NFL Combine in Indy. You were down at Lucas Oil. I was there in Indy. And one of the things I remember about that week not tied to football was just this craziness of COVID and people getting sick and the world not knowing what was going on. And the Dow Jones dropped like 3,500 points that week. And I was just like, what the heck is going on, right? This was, the world was not planned for what was to come. And what was the combine like for you in this environment? I mean, you're locked in still focusing on what you had to do that week, but just share with us your experience. Yeah, the combine was a great experience. That was another like dream come true moment. Just because you watch it growing up every single year, you know, just trying to strive to get there one day. So being able to get there was cool. But like like you said, like I was locked in. I really wasn't really paying attention or knowing what was going on. It was really after the combine that like it came up to me and that people started telling me pro days and stuff were starting to get canceled. But at the combine, it was a great experience just being able to be around all the other great players and compete. And honestly, just go out there and try to prove yourself in front of all 32 teams. So it was a great experience. Yeah, it was definitely a little different. You heard a little whispers of like what might happen and people getting sick and stuff like that. But it really wasn't until about a week or two later when it started getting real, if that makes sense. Yeah. And they say that the NFL Combine is like the biggest job interview that an NFL player will have. When you look at that combine process, so it's not just about the positional drills, on the field stuff. You've got medical, you've got interviews. What were some of the things that you really liked about that experience? And then what were you maybe not feeling so much? I think it's definitely a long drawn out process because you see it on TV and you're like, oh, they're just, you know, they're just hanging out and they go out and compete on the field. But the field stuff's the shortest part of the week. You know, you're meeting with teams for hours on end and then the medicals are crazy. I was lucky enough. I didn't have to get too many MRIs or anything. 
But if you have an MRI, you could be stuck in the hospital for, you know, six, seven, eight hours, depending on what part of the line you're in. So that wasn't ideal. But, you know, like I said, you just try to look at it and be grateful that you're there. But yeah, the field stuff's the shortest part, which a lot of people don't know. And it's just a lot of meetings and a lot of talking to coaches. And like you said, it's an interview. So you, you got you always got to be on. You always got to be able to think fast, answer questions fast, because you're really, you know, you're trying to impress coaches and impress scouts to choose you in the coming weeks. Right. And they are long days, hours upon hours of interviews. And people don't see all that. They might see a little snip of, oh, there's somebody being interviewed real quick. But it's a long day for players, for sure. That whole week is. Yeah, it's very long. So you had shared pro day. Your pro day was supposed to be March 24th, ended up getting canceled. Walk us through. So after the combine, going to the draft. I mean, so it was very different because many NFL teams, they grounded their scouts. They canceled travel, right? So there were only a few pro days that happened. Even some facilities ended up getting shut down by pro teams. What was that like for you? Kind of, you, know, you got to do the combine, which was great. Those that didn't get to do the combine, it was a lot tougher for them because they didn't have that pro day to go demonstrate their skills. So walk us through after the combine to the NFL draft for you. Yeah. So after the combine, I went back to Phoenix where I was training for the combine and I was going to run again on my pro day. So started training there. And I was going to leave like the next week or maybe a week and a half, two weeks. And the day I was supposed to leave is when like the NCAA tournament, I just remember like that very vividly. That was the first thing I saw was the NCAA tournament got canceled or like one of the basketball tournaments got canceled, the Ivy League or whatever it was. But that's I vividly remember that because I was like packing to hop on a plane to go back to Cincinnati. And then once they canceled all that, I'm like, I really have no reason to be in Cincinnati. So I just went back home to Sacramento. And then it was really like, I didn't know how long I was going to be there. I knew the drafters in a month and a half. They were canceling all that. So all the 32 visits, the official visits, they all got canceled. So I was really just playing it by ear and went back home. Me and my dad built a huge gym in my garage to be able to work out and stuff. Because, you know, California, like everything was closed. It was different for sure. But I mean, it was a unique experience. I got to spend more time at home than I would have, you know, if you're looking at it positively. But yeah, it was definitely unique, but you know, I wouldn't change it. And so let's fast forward. So it's draft day, right? Walk us through what was it like getting the phone call and hearing your name called that you were going to be a Packer? Yeah, it was a surreal feeling, you know, a moment that you'll never forget. And I was surrounded by, you know, my close friends and my close family. And we got some videos and stuff and things that will live forever. You know, no matter what happens in my career, that's something that could never be taken away. So it's definitely just a blessing that God placed me in that position. And it was a great moment for me and my family and everyone that helped me get to that point. I definitely, you know, was just so grateful for that moment. And yeah, it was just an amazing time. And usually right after the draft, a lot of guys, they hop on planes and they go out to their team's facility. With COVID and this travel craziness and everyone not knowing what was going to go on, what was it like after the draft? For you, were you at home for a while? When did you actually get to, were you on Zooms with teams, coaches, office personnel, scouts? Like, what was that process like for you? Yeah, we would have went out the next day or whatever it was, but we weren't allowed to do that. So they just sent me my iPad, sent me some stuff that I needed. And I think like a couple of days after the draft, maybe I started meeting with the team and meeting with my coaches. And it was like a virtual OTAs, you know, so it was like rookie minicamp was virtual. All this different stuff was virtual. And it wasn't like the next year where they'd been through it. Like everyone was kind of navigating it. So they didn't know if we were going to come out there early or not. But we didn't end up going out there till a little bit earlier in the training camp. I would say like mid-July. 
So it was definitely different. But that at the time, right, that was the only way I knew. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't have any other experience. So I was like, yeah, this is like obviously kind of weird, but it's not abnormal for me. This year is abnormal and this year is normal. You know what I'm saying? Just experiencing like this whole OTAs and off-season program is different for me. So I'm getting used to it. But yeah, I, I was at home from, shoot, March until mid-July-ish. And then that's when I came out here. And how was training camp with this COVID environment? I know you didn't know what to expect. So it was kind of like, okay, just roll with it. But how was it like when you're actually out with your fellow teammates and being in Green Bay? Yeah, it was different. We weren't really allowed to do anything. Not that there's too much to do in Green Bay. I love Green Bay, but there's not. it's not known for having a lot of activities to do besides golf. I love golfing out here. Yeah, it was different. We weren't allowed to go out to eat. Like the normal stuff you would do with your teammates. You know, we always had to go to each other's houses. And if we did that, we couldn't post or do anything because we weren't supposed to be with more than however many people. So we had to be careful. I wear masks everywhere. And it was just different experience. You know, I remember like whenever the mask man, they got lifted in the facility. I was like, man, I haven't even seen your face ever. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They probably like, that's not what I thought you looked like. So it was a different experience, but it is what it is. We all got through it. And, you know, now grateful to be, it looks like at the end of it. And you know that, I mean, part of the excitement of football is playing in a stadium packed with fans and feeding off of that energy as well. 2020 didn't allow you that opportunity to do so. How was that for you going into your first professional football season with no fans in the stands? Yeah, that was weird. I mean, I really only played like a game and a half, but the first game we were in Minnesota and everybody was talking about like in 2019, the Packers played the Vikings and like clinched the division in Minnesota. And we're talking about the atmosphere and all this stuff. And then, you know, we go out there however many months later six, seven months later, and it's just completely empty, quiet. And that's a big, high stadium. Like, the stadium's pretty cool. But, yeah, it was definitely a different experience. And it took some getting used to, for sure. But I didn't play that many games in it and then came back with all the fans this year. So it's fun that they're back. Sure. And so you did play in that game against Minnesota. You got your first NFL catch, 12-yard catch. What was that like getting your first catch in an NFL game with no fans in the stands? But, but your very first NFL game. No, another great experience. Another thing, you know, that I'll always remember. You'll never forget your first game, the nerves, the jitters, everything you've worked so hard for. But yeah, just grateful for that whole experience. And even though it was short, I was able to have somewhat of a season in the beginning and grateful for that. And the following year, you ended up scoring your first touchdown against Minnesota. Again, 25-yard pass from Aaron Rodgers. How did that feel November 21st, 2021, when you, you know, got into the end zone? Yeah, another one of those first. Some about like the Minnesota Stadium. Me and my family were joking about it. Like all the good things are coming out there every time we play at Minnesota, for some reason. But yeah, it was it was a great experience. My parents were right there in the corner where I scored, which was awesome. That was definitely you know even a greater moment than the ones before, just because the first touchdown coming off the injury, coming off the ACL. It's like man, we're you know we're back, we're back to it. So it was a great feeling. And Green Bay has just had its history of great players, great leaders. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, obviously a legendary quarterback. What was it like getting to play with Aaron specifically? And what do you think makes him a great athlete and a great leader? I mean, yeah, playing with him, you get starstruck a little bit, you know, when you walk into the facility and Aaron's there and Devontae Adams, Mercedes Lewis, all these big name guys that you grow up watching. But yeah, then you get to know him. He's a great person. He's a great leader. I think the way he thinks and the way 
he's able to just dissect defenses, dissect playbooks. That's what makes him truly special. Obviously, you know, the most talented thrower of the football ever. So that helps. But then that combined with his mind, it's like a double-edged sword. And it's it's great to be a part of and play with and learn from. And, and you just try to be a sponge when you're around guys like that. Sure. And, you know, something that I do is I, I coach a lot of corporate professionals. I coach a lot of athletes on how they can continue their longevity in their career. And I think no matter what your profession is, getting mentors is important. And so when you joined the organization, were there some guys that you kind of leaned on, some veterans to pick their brains and just kind of learn from their experience? Yeah, definitely. Mercedes Lewis was a big person for me. Robert Tunyon. You know, pretty much the two guys in our room, our tight end coach at the time, Justin Allen. Those were great people for me just to kind of look up to, but also just listen to anytime they spoke, you know, just try to take it all in, take any ounce of information, you know, that they are willing to give you because I think Mercedes is going to year 18. And that's unheard of. You never know what will happen, but I'll most likely never be in a, in a room with a guy like that ever again. So just continue to take it all in and we're going in year three. So just continue to learn from him. And all the older guys on the team, and you always try to learn from people that have done it before you and gone before you and been successful. So that's what I try to do. And what kind of things have those guys shared with you for you to be successful? Man, endless. The list is endless. The mental side of the game, the physical side of the game, just to stay healthy. At the end of the day, it's like there's a lot of things that NFL players go through that no one else knows you know, how to handle. And whether you have your best game of the year and then you followed up with the worst game of the year and trying to dissect and handle that adversity and how to deal with that. There's so many intricate things that a lot of people like don't know about. So the list is endless. It's hard to just choose a few, but I think that's the biggest one for me, just handling that mental side of the game, and being able to overcome that adversity whenever it strikes. Yeah, we talked about earlier how mental toughness is important in being a professional athlete, not just about on game day on the field, but just to navigate and be successful as a professional in this particular space. And I feel like social media has helped bring some awareness and visibility to what players may go through because there are some players that are sharing right their journey. And I remember earlier this year, Stefan Diggs, for example, talked about how difficult it can be to be a professional athlete and the mental challenges that you can go through. When you look at being a professional athlete, can you share some of the things that you've either seen people go through? I'm not looking for names, just like experiences. Like it is tough. I mean, you're a public figure for one, you're away from your family at times, you're on the road. It's very competitive. I mean, every day somebody's competing for your spot or you're competing to keep your spot. Like share with us some of the challenges that you've seen being a professional athlete. Yeah, that's another thing. There's so many But I think the thing I touched on before is just dealing with that adversity. That's the biggest thing for me is because, you know, you can have a day where everyone's praising your name, whether it's on Instagram, Twitter. And, you know, I try to stay off those as much as I can, but sometimes it's hard not to hear, you know, so you could have one day where someone's praising you and one day someone's knocking you down. It could be the same person. And I think that's the biggest part for me that I came in like wanting to grow. Mental health is very real and you hear about it more and more. But when you're in college, everybody's the guy, you know what I'm saying? So like each team, whatever happens, like you're going to get another opportunity. For me, like trying to take advantage of those opportunities. But what happens if you don't? What are the steps you take if you don't take advantage of an opportunity and you got to wait till your next one to change that? How do you deal with that mentally? And how do you go forth in your week without driving yourself crazy thinking about it? So it's like, that's the biggest thing for me. And the biggest thing I've seen people deal with. For me, journaling, a lot of guys tell me they journal. I love journaling. 
relaxation, like visualization, things like that have been huge for me. And, you know, I talk to guys about it all the time. That's just a few things a lot of guys do, you know, to stay in the right mindset. All important practices put into place for sure. So back when you were in Cincinnati, you were a team captain. We've touched upon a little bit how it's very different playing in the league than playing college ball from the speed of the game standpoint, but also from just the maturity of people in terms of not only are they older, but they have families. So they're all grown adults in some capacity versus being student athletes that may just be worrying about how to navigate, you know, to the dorm, to class, to, to practice and things. It's a very different environment. When you look at leadership in the NFL and the team captains in the league, what do you think it takes to really be successful as a team captain and a leader in the NFL? I think that your teammates, in order to lead them, you just have to show them what you're willing to do and how you're willing to work. You're able to go in and see each and every day, you know, the captains on our team and the leaders on, on our team go in, how they approach their job, how they approach their day with the professionalism and the type of charisma that leaders have, you know, and they have their work ethic, they have their things that they do that makes them tick and the things that make them go. And and that's for me, just to be able to see different people like that in our captains. And you respect other people's work. And that's that's what I look at. And then obviously the knowledge standpoint, like guys going before you and being able to give their perspectives is I think a couple key attributes to doing that and then sharing that as well. For sure. Yeah, something that I actually had your teammate, Kenny Clark, on the show recently. And one of the things Kenny and I talked about was the importance of preparation to be elite at your craft. When you look at your preparation, what are some of the things that you do? What are the habits that you put into practice that you think really help you to be successful at this level? I try to have my schedule down. I'm a big person of habit. I love creating different habits. And for me, I like to have a schedule that I put in place. I'm big into waking up early, getting my devotion in, having that time with the Lord and praying and starting my day that way. And then from then on, you know, it's just working as hard as I can throughout the day. And then always doing extra stuff for your body. I always sauna, I always cold tub. I'm always getting that extra work on my knee if it's bothering me a certain day or a certain week. And then obviously the mental side of the game, coming home, watching extra video, watching extra film, putting in that extra work that's going to separate you. That's what I try to do. And that's why guys like Kenny Clark are so successful because they do all those things, you know, and I see it each and every day. Those guys do that. So I strive to be like that one day. And, you know, I try to do the same things to be able to create those habits to be able to get there. And it's all about separation, differentiation. Like you have to be able to differentiate yourself from the other players out there. It is a highly competitive space that you're in. You know, folks that are in the corporate world might not be quite as competitive where you're trying to secure your job every single day. But you still got to look at how am I differentiating myself from others out there so that you can continue to elevate and advance in your career as well. Mm-hmm. 100%. Something else that you're involved with, you've talked about your faith a little bit, and I know that you've been involved with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes as well as Athletes in Action, both great organizations. Share with us some of the things that you've been doing with them. Yeah, so Fellowship of Christian Athletes, I know a couple of the leaders in the Sacramento area, and that's where I'm from, Sacramento. Whenever I'm back there, I try to talk to different teams. I know a couple of high school coaches go back and talk to the teams, just share my story, share my faith and how much God has blessed me and gotten me to this point. Cause without him, I'm not here. And I hundred percent believe that. So I try to just share that with others and encourage them. So I do that when I'm back in Sacramento, I'm doing a two day event in the surrounding area of like Pensacola, Florida, and Mobile, Alabama, around that area, just two days going to different high schools and talking to them, same thing, trying to encourage them. 
you know, obviously help them out on the field, but also encourage them in their faith. And just, just know that, you know, whatever they need in life, God is always there for them. So I try to encourage people like that and share my experiences because people sharing their experiences have, have helped me, you know, so I want to do that for others. So that's just a couple of things I'm doing. Hopefully do more in the future. I think that's great. I mean, I always talk about on the show that moving the ball is not just about what you do to be successful in your own career. It's about the impact you make on others. So I think that's an awesome way to pay it forward and really to inspire, to help shape the younger generation, so to speak, and just give back. So it's great. What I want to do now is I want to run you through my two-minute drill and ask you some fun questions. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. First question is, when you were 10 years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? I want to be a basketball player, actually. NBA. I was a baller. Tried to be. <laughs> what position did you play? Played anywhere from like one through four, you know, point guard to depending on high school, middle school, whatever it was. But yeah, I, I moved around. I gotcha. I was a point. So I have a special liking for that position. Yeah. Uh, what three words would you use to describe yourself? I would say humble, disciplined, and strong-minded. Three great words. What is one thing most people don't know about you? I play ping pong like almost every week. Interesting. Yeah. If you had one intro song played at all of your public appearances, what would that one song be? It would probably be... There's a song Primetime by KB, who's like a Christian rap artist. And I love that song. I put it on like my junior high school highlight tape. And it's just been always like one of my go-tos. Like if I'm ever trying to get in the zone, I always throw back and get to that one. It's not a popular one, but I love it. I will have to go check it out. The next question is what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? I'm reading a book called Warrior. It's me and my buddies go through it together. It's a little Bible study book, just trying to have the mindset of being a warrior in, in Christ and being the men that God have called us to be. So I'm reading that right now. I'm trying to get through it. I'm not a huge reader, but having guys to push me has helped me out a little bit. Nice. Sometimes you need a little nudge having those buddies to give you a little push is always a good thing. Now you're hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people, living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? I would choose Kobe, RIP. I just grew up a huge Laker fan. I know I'm from Sacramento, but I grew up a Laker fan. I was that young kid who just chose the Lakers because they were good, but I stuck with them ever since. Jesus, you got to choose Jesus. I don't know if that's like a cheating answer, but I feel like no. that's, yeah, that's, that's definitely a go-to. And probably like Michael Jordan, just because their mindsets. I feel like Kobe and Michael Jordan, like giving them, putting them in one room and like just talking about their mindset. And I mean, just watching like The Last Dance and then seeing all these videos on Kobe and their mindsets is like, it would be fun to dissect. Oh, for sure. And then my last question to round out this drill is, do you sing in the shower? Mm, yeah, for sure. Okay. Definitely. I'll, I can't shower without a speaker. So yeah, I do. All right. Nice. So one other thing I wanted to ask you about is when you were at Cincinnati, you actually interned in the operations department <laughs> of FC Cincinnati. What was that about? How, how did that come to be? I have my bachelor's and my master's in sports administration. So it was part of my master's program i had to intern for either you know some type of sports organization so i fc cincinnati they literally played like in nipper stadium which was like our football home stadium it was actually funny i was just talking to my fiance and one of the tasks we had to do for that job was watering turf like artificial turf for soccer players because they said it was too fast and i'm like man this job really sucks 
but yeah, I mean, like it was cool. I, and I did a couple internships in high school, but it was a good experience. Probably will never do it again, but it was a good experience. And at some point, football is going to come to an end playing football. What do you want to do afterwards? Yeah, I still want to be in the arena of football, probably towards high school. I'd probably use my degree and become like an athletic director in a high school realm. I would love to do that. Maybe an assistant athletic director and then, you know, coach football alongside with it. Those people when I was in high school were great influences and great people to me. So you go through so much growth when you're in high school. So to have some sort of impact on kids would be great. Love it. So as we look to close the show, let people know, where can they follow you? Where are you at on social media? Instagram, I'm at Josiah Deguara, just my full name. Twitter, at Josiah D5. And then, yeah, that's it. I'm not on anything else. Yeah, give me a follow and I'll follow back. Maybe. All right. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be sure to put those social links in our show notes so people can follow you and keep up with all the great things that you were going to do. I guess last question for you. What most excites you about the upcoming season? I know we're still a few months away, but what are you most excited about? I'm just excited to get started, man. You know, we have a bad taste in our mouth coming off last year with that playoff loss. So I know the guys on the team are more determined than ever. We got a good group coming back. We got the best quarterback in football. We got some great veteran leadership mixed with, you know, a lot of young, talented guys. So I think we, you know, it's a recipe for success going into the season and, you know, just looking forward to going out there and, you know, showing everybody who we are and what we want to do this season. For sure. And you guys definitely picked up some great talent in the draft as well. So I'm excited to see how those guys uh, show out here coming in the season. Well, Josiah, thank you so much for being on the show today. It has been a true pleasure getting to chat with you. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you to everyone for listening to today's episode. If you liked it, make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you have not yet done so. And also share the episode with a friend or two or three. It's one way that you can help me to move the ball. And again, go check out the merchandise store. There's a link in the show notes. Get your swag. Walk that you're a part of the movement. And we will talk to you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball in your business, with your brand, or your career, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.